into the word, but I'm, I'm excited. I'm really excited about what God's doing here. I'm excited to see new faces. I'm excited that God is expanding our faith. Um, we're dreaming big. We're, we're trying to take more ground uh, for, for God in this community. And we're believing for crazy stuff. People look at us and say, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I don't know, but faith is building like you wouldn't believe um, because we are, we're doing and, and believing for things uh, that just don't make sense. But to God, it all makes sense because he wants to see amazing things happen here. And uh, you're a part of it. So we're, we're so pumped to be a church in Morgantown. What we're going to be doing um, with our grand opening coming up on the 30th of August, and you're supposed to bring like, I think, 15 people each. Um, with this grand opening, just, it's just a small ratio that we put together to make sure it would work right. But um, with our grand opening coming in August, um, really begin to think about, so how, how are we going to build up to this? You know what I'm saying? This is a big deal. It's really cool to see one of my great friends, Mike Amico, right there. You, you may not know him, but he lives right here. Mike and Brenda are wonderful friends of ours that were, were essential and, and the, the main pillars of helping us get into this community. You don't even know this guy, but he was a, a sectional representative that helped us get here, a sectional presbyter of this area and this region to help us get to this place. And I'm just so excited uh, to see folks from the journey along the way. And we were thinking about how do we, how do we get pumped up? How do we get really excited for this grand opening on the 30th? I begin to pray and think about it, just trying to be creative, right? You know, things like that. Trying to think of a creative series or talks or conversation uh, that would, would get folks really intrigued and, and getting folks wanting to share about their church even more. Because, you know, we're just five months old, five months old. And, and really, after the 30th, we will leave what's called pre-launch phase, and we'll be moving into what's a real church. And the thing is, we've been a real church for a long time. I feel like because of you guys and what you've, you've done and what the change that's happened in your lives, we're just five months out from our beginning in March. God has done so much. What do I share? What do I talk about, right? So many things to share, so many things to tell folks about. Where do we start? I started with prayer. Of course, that's the most important thing we can ever do is have conversation with God. Of course, we think that that prayer, right? Our Father that art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. God, you know, you got to shake it out, you know, kind of thing. We look at prayer a lot of times as this lofty conversation, right? Anybody with me or is that? Okay. We think it's this thing that, that you can't do, that you can't figure out because you've never done it before because I don't pray like that guy. That guy's like championprayer.com. Have you heard him pray? Whoa. There was, I saw angels. I saw angels when he prayed, you know, kind of thing. Just sat there and like, God, what do you want? What, what do you want your folks to hear? What do you want your folks to understand? Where should I start? He says, start with the church. Don't tell them, start with the church. What does that mean? What do you mean start with the church? And I began to pray and read and look through Scripture and came ac across Matthew 16, 18. And this is just an excerpt of the Scripture that we'll get to in just a few moments and really break it down more. I felt the Holy Spirit just illuminate this portion when I read this and, and read along with me. You may see just those few words, yes, on the screen. 1618, I will build my church. I will build my church. Now, let's, let me be honest with you. As a church planter, okay, I have never been a lead pastor before. I have never been a church planter before. So one of the things you quickly do, right, if you're doing anything new, what do you do? You go buy books, right? You go buy books, okay? And can I tell you that there are one zillion books out there on how to be a pastor, how to plant a church, how to, to work with staff, you know, seven habits of highly effective church planners.com by whatever, you know what I'm saying? Or three easy steps to grow in your congregation in three months or do you know what I'm saying here? So many options, so many things to read. God keeps pointing me back. I will build my church. I will build my church. What I want us to do today for a little bit is just dig deeper on this thought. Dig deeper on this concept of Jesus building this church. Dig deeper on what this looks like of Jesus building his church. 
You're like, this doesn't make sense at all. We are in a church. It's already built. What is wrong with you? We're going to take a look at what it means to be the church, what it means to, to live the church. But before we get there, I want to make sure that you understand the context of this conversation, understanding the scene, setting the scene a bit for where these guys are, these disciples having a conversation with Jesus. I love how the Bible's so real in these conversations that you see just Jesus hanging out with his buddies. I think about our guys trip that we did a couple months ago, right? The guys who went on the camping trip. What fun was that? Just an opportunity for a bunch of dudes to hang out and just do life together. I totally picture Jesus like that. Does anybody do that? Anybody? They were camping nonstop. They were, okay, they were fishing. Oh, right? They, what else? They were doing all kinds, healing people. That's pretty fun. Do you do that every day? Did you yesterday? Three times, right? Cool. Um, you know, they were, man, taking care of people's needs, multiplying stuff. You know what I'm saying? How cool would it have been to be one of Jesus' boys back in the day? So we see one of these kinds of conversations in Matthew 16. And I want to set the scene for you here. There's an area called Caesarea Philippi, which is located several miles north of the Sea of Galilee. Okay. Jesus had recently been performing some major miracles, some teaching, walking on water. That happens daily. Okay. Feeding thousands with just a few small fish and seven loaves of bread. He'd also been under some pretty intense opposition from the Pharisees and the Sadducees, so he was definitely ready to get away from everything for a bit. All in a day's work, if your name was Jesus, though. All kinds of things he did daily to bless those around him, and we see him wanting to slip away a little bit, to get away for just a moment. So we see him and his disciples in the midst of a pretty deep conversation, and the topic of this is Jesus and his messiahship, if you will. Jesus was trying just to solidify and, and understand, right? Get them to understand just who he was, okay? And what, he was, what they were supposed to be as disciples. Now, understand this too. Caesarea Philippi was heavily influenced by Greek and Roman culture. So when you would take a look around, you'd see pagan temples and idols all over the place. Do you picture this with me? Did you put yourself in the situation? So you see Jesus and his buddies hanging out, talking some really deep, deep stuff. And you look around and you're in this place that's just filled with temples and idols and all of these things that, that really praise Greek and Roman culture. And this conversation ensues. And you can read this with me on your screen. Matthew 16, 13 through 20. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, uh, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. This is where it meets the road. But what about you, he asked. What about you? You're thinking, what does this have to do with the church? Bear with me. What about you, he asked. Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, if you know anything about Simon Peter, who was the first to raise their hand in class? Simon Peter. Okay, who was the first to get excited about anything? Who did all the extra credit possible in the world? Simon Peter, right? Who was the one that had the biggest mouth in the... Simon Peter, okay? So Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. For the first time when Simon Peter answered... You are correct. Right? For once it was like, oh, Simon Peter, you're special. <laughs> Why don't you go play for a little minute? Let me talk to the big boys, okay, kind of thing. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are, and this is where it gets real, Peter. Remember his name before was one that was a reed blown by the wind. I've shared this with you before. And then his name was changing, okay, to rock. Peter means rock. And this rock, I will build my church. Now, some debate, like, is the church built upon Peter? Just bear with me. We'll get to it, okay? And the gates of Hades shall not, will not overcome it. Excuse me, no. And this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys 
of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. There's a couple themes that are pretty major in this conversation that I want us to understand. Then we're going to dig a little bit deeper. An understanding that Jesus is, in fact, the Messiah. That was a big deal in culture right there. Saying that, yes, you are the Messiah. You are the one that's changing Jewish culture forever. You are the son of man. You are the son of God. That's a big deal to go public with, especially given their surroundings, right? Because you're, you're willing to go in all, all in with your faith here. You're willing to say hard things and say that it's you. Typical Peter, right? But also an understanding that there is a church to be built. There's a church to be built, and that's what... I want us to drive home this morning this understanding that there is a church and what it should look like. So you got to understand here when you read back in that scripture that you see that he's going to build his church. He talks about the rock, right? But also Jesus himself being the cornerstone or the foundation that a rock can be laid upon. He's building his church now, before we get there, though, I want, to, I want us to understand some things of what the church is not, okay? What the church is not. The church is not a country club. Did you know that? Did you guys see the pool in the back? It's great. We've got it. It's, it's a saltwater pool um, because of your dues that you pay weekly, tithe. Um, we've got this great pool that we've set up for you. We're putting in the gym next week. We're really excited about that. The racquetball courts are coming. Excited, right? Right? Tennis courts very soon. You're probably wondering where are you going to put it. Well, we're, we're very faithful with your dues, and uh, we're, we're expanding our country club. No, the church is not a country club. It's not your monthly investment opportunity to go enjoy leisurely life together with your friends and have some, like, bubble teas together. It's not a country club. It's not a physical building or a business organization. Church is called what? Not-for-profit, a non-profit. Why are we here? To profit this community. Why was the church created? If you look at the government, why do we have a tax-exempt status? Because we were supposed to be the most giving organization in town. Do you understand where I'm coming from here? Not sitting upon stockpiles of cash. Not sitting upon buildings and structures and all this stuff. But a place that blesses a community. That sees needs and takes care of them, that sees hurts and prays to God and believes that he will heal them. We're not just your typical business organization or a physical building. If you were here six months ago and you looked at this place, you would know, <laughs> Mike, remember, brother? <laughs> this We're not about this necessarily, but there was a lot of change that went here. There could be some things that we could be proud of, but we're not about this building. We're not about this building. It's not about a worship style. Or a specific clothing that you wear. I remember, you know, hearing that, you know, growing up, well, you got to give God your best. Did you ever hear that? Growing up where I was in the, in the, the church, like, give God your best. Well, you don't wear them blue jeans. Hell's hot year round. You better take them things off. You know, I'm like, so it's a sin that I wear denim. Huh, where's that in? Second hat's Kyle, you know, kind of thing. No, Third Corinthians. Oh, good, thanks. You're reading your word. God bless you. Go and send no more. It's not about what you wear. Now, we do prefer clothing, okay? We, we, you're like, well, you said everything is fine. Mm. Just because it's permissible doesn't mean it's beneficial. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Nobody's benefiting from what you're doing right now, sir, okay? It's not a worship style. I, I love hearing folks that are older than me say that, you know, that's not my type of music, but people are being fed. I'm there. <laughs> I love that. Because they know it's about the next generation. It's not about their preference. It's not about my, I'm getting old. I, you're like, no, you're not. But yes, I am because I prefer certain things already that others do not and vice versa. But it's not about my style of this or that. It's not about that. 
Most importantly, and this is weird, this might ruffle feathers, but we'll get to it more in just a minute. It's not about you. You're like, why do I pay my dues? I like my little picture to pop up on the screen when I scan in. It's not about you by yourself. It's not about you alone in and of yourself. I want to be honest with you guys for a moment, okay? Um, how many of you guys experience pressure in life with jobs and, and you know, roles that you carry and things that you do? There's just pressure everywhere. Nobody, I'm, I'm going to hang out with you. If you do not have, I see that, God bless you. Um, I see that, God bless you. You know, um, pressure, man, everywhere you turn, right? And for me, my pressure just looks a little different right now. My pressure line shares this, the Foundry Church, right? And I remember praying, you know, again, thinking about what we're going to talk about, you know, throughout the series, but also where, God, where do you have me right now? What am I, what, why am I a hot mess? And, you know, you know, why, why does it feel like things are up, down, blah, blah, blah. He sent me to this portion of scripture. He said, I will build my church, Justin Myers, not you. Now he was talking about a literal church, but also the figurative church, if you will, in your own life. This is what I'm saying, and this is what, where it kind of switches. The church is not about a building. It's not about what you wear. It's not about your country club status. It's not about that. It's about you becoming the church. What do you mean by that? It's not about me building this organization we call a church. It's about me being the church everywhere I go. Who are you? And, I, and God convicted me to the extent saying that when you go out in the community, just tell them you're a believer that, that goes to the foundry. Why? I want folks to know that I love Jesus more than anything in the world. I'm not the best at it. I'm not. But if I love him more than anything else in the world, I will be a better church. See, remember what Jesus was saying here. That Peter, you're going to do great things, basically. I want to do a lot of things. I'm going to build a lot of things off of you. But if you're not built on me, you're nothing. You're dead in the water. Because these, these words, church, they change in the Greek from talking about Peter as the rock, but then it changes in the Greek to Jesus being the cornerstone. And that's where I want us to camp and understand that you are the church. If you look at the Greek term for church, ekklesia, it's mentioned over a hundred times in the New Testament. What it means is called out from and to. That people are called out of life to do life in a different way. This understanding that we are believers uh, belonging to the Lord. Does that say anything about a physical building? Does it say anything about your status? It says everything about being the church. Why start here in this conversation together? So many people are trying to be what they're not. So many churches are trying to be what they're not as well. And I don't want us to ever get it twisted as to who we are and who we belong to. Do you understand? We are the church. You are the church. And it's not in and of yourself, but us collectively. We see a, a word change in, in that word itself, ecclesia, ecclesia to ecclesian. The word is used um, in Matthew 16, 18, pertaining to the church in this instance. And then 20 more times in the New Testament from that moment forward. There was a shift. Because again, remember, and what the church was supposed to be from that moment forward. Because again, remember, you look around, if you're in Caesarea Philippi, you see all these temples, you see all these structures, you see in Jewish culture the established congregation, but you don't see the church of Jesus. Do you understand where I'm coming from here? This is a big deal for us to get and to understand that Jesus is changing the scene altogether with you, with you. So there's a couple things that I want us to just go through uh, to understand some observations of what the church should be. How many of you guys like directions? I've said this to you before. How many of you like directions? I love directions, right? If you get something from Ikea, that's the best. But if you get something 
from anywhere else, you're basically like renewing your faith every moment um, kind of thing. But I rather do instructions, right? I rather follow the list than to waste time. I rather listen to Siri, though I did change the voice to a man. Um, I rather listen to Siri, tell me where to go. Uh, my wife tells me where to go all the time. I'm just kidding. But I rather listen to Siri and my wife tell me where to go than to waste time and not know. I rather know what and who I should be than try to wander aimlessly throughout life, hitting nothing every single time because that's what I aim for. Because I want to be the church. And I want you to be the church. Do you understand where I'm coming from? I want you to be the folks that change this community. Because without you, it won't happen. First thing that the church should be is this, filled with faith. Filled with faith. You see that this is a, a change here uh, that these, these uh, disciples and people from that point on are understanding that he's building something new. The whole verbiage changed. The whole way that they use the terminology for church changed from that point on because Jesus was building something totally new, something totally different. And with any transition in our lives, any types of moves or anything that we do, there, there's some faith that's in there, right? Because we don't know every step of the path ahead. We don't know what everything looks like, right? If, uh, you know, we're having children or if we're getting a new job or relocating, we don't know everything about everything. And that's where faith comes in that it's all going to work out all right. But it's different when it comes to the church. It's a different type of faith and different type of understanding because it's a belief in someone that knows way more than we'll ever know and sees way more than we'll ever see. That's a different type of faith. I trust that chair. I would gladly sit in that chair, no problem whatsoever. But stepping out to plant a church, that was different, right? Stepping out to, to change a, a vocation, guys, that's different. Stepping out to believe that God will provide if you do this or do that, that's different. The church should be filled with faith. The church is not a society of thinkers or workers or even worshipers, but believers. Acts 2.44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. This is the first century church that you see. Acts 4.32, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. Can you imagine if the church did that? Can you imagine if you hear about a need in your small group that's starting in fall just very soon? Small groups, four of them were excited, kids and everything, youth and everything. But can you imagine if you went through prayer time in your small group and someone says, man, I just had a tire blow out today and I literally cannot afford to put a new one there. Well, hey, let's, let's take up a little offering together here and let's get your tire. Man, I go to the most amazing small group in the world. They call them connect groups. You know what they did the other night? They knew I couldn't afford a tire. They bought me a tire. You're like, that's great. Tires are expensive. Can I get some amens? You know. Can you imagine if the church became the church? I just got a little bit goosebumps thinking about it. I'm about to get my hanky out. But can you imagine if we loved each other this much? Nevertheless, Acts 5.14, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number daily. Your story infuses such faith in people that you don't even realize. You're challenging people to believe for more. Why? Because your connect group took up an offering for you to get a tire and believe that that's what they were supposed to do. I believe there's hope because there's people out here that love me like this. You see what I'm saying? They believed the same. They believed the same. In 1 Timothy 4.12, this isn't necessarily regarding to uh, just age, but even where you're at in your walk. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for believers in speech and conduct and love and faith and impurity. As we become the church, even though we are young, People will believe differently because of us. We should be filled with faith. The second thing is this. We should have consistent fellowship. Being in church most of my life, 
Um, this is one of these types of terms that you hear a lot, fellowship. This typically is accompanied by a meal. Can I get some amens? Getting close to lunch. I'm rolling right along. Okay. Um, this is typically accompanied by a meal and some hangout time. That's what we talk about with fellowship. It's deeper, much deeper than that. But I think back even in the last few months of our church, how important fellowship times have been for us and the growth that we've seen because of it. Listen to Romans 12, 4 through 5. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members with one another. Fellowship, the understanding that we are connected. 1 Corinthians 12, 26 to 27. If one member suffers, all members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all members rejoice with it. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. Did you hear anything about food? Not necessarily. An understanding that you are in fellowship together because you are believers. One upon the other. The believers stacks up. People that have faith stacks up the people that fellowship, that do, do life together. Because you are not alone. Kind of you're singing the song in your head right now. Just me. Okay. I see that hand. You don't do it alone. You see this word, this term being used in the New Testament, koinonia, this, the, the, this term for fellowship, takes place in the earliest meetings of the church side by side with the apostles' teaching and the breaking of bread. Something happens when we come together in fellowship. Our church, your life, should look like fellowship. Who are you hanging out with throughout the week? Do you just go home, nestle down with a book, and talk to no one? Or do you break bread and talk to someone and encourage their faith to build them up or also meet with believers as well to build up your faith? Koinonia, it's important to get together to develop one another's faith. Hebrews 13, 15 through 16, just moving along a bit. This is, this is every pastor's favorite scripture. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. Let us always basically get together, right? It's summertime in churches. You know what happens in summertime in churches? Everybody goes on vacation. That's been a little bit different for us. It's been awesome. We've had growth in the summer, but typically, Pastor Mike knows what I'm talking about there, okay? Summers are like, dun, 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 kind of thing. So you'll see out on every church sign in the summer, Hebrews 13, 15 through 16. Let us continually offer a good sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name, and do not forget to do good and share with others for which such sacrifices God is pleased. So important to share, to do life together. A life that is the church is one that has consistent fellowship. The third is this. We should contend for unity. This is so important to me, so important to me. Again, growing up in church my whole life, I saw a lot of things. You know, someone didn't like the style of music. What do they do? Well, either go somewhere else or write a letter and take a bunch of people with you. Right? I'm like, what? You have the love of God in you? You just split a church. Or... They see something that's not right about someone else and they go tell someone else about it versus confronting your brother or sister in love. What? You didn't even go to them? What is wrong with you? This is one fight that we will always fight, the fight for unity. You understand where I'm coming from because you're a person and you matter. You matter. So we're not going to backbite. If so, you, there's going to be a door for you. You're growing a church. You shouldn't say things like that. I don't care. Because I, I love you more than that if someone's going to hurt you. Peace, you're out. Because we contend for unity. You see this in Scripture many, many times over. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6 is what I want us to highlight real quick. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient Bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit. Again, reminding us, right? 
Just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. That's why we do it. That's why we do it. We want to have a place of peace. How do you have peace? You have unity. How do you have unity? You love one another. Have you ever been to a church where you've been hurt? Yeah, I have. Though we may not be perfect, I will fight for it. You can ask our staff in the conversations that we have. I will fight for unity. That's one way we fight. In other ways, we don't. We will fight for unity because your life matters. Colossians, Colossians 1, 16 through 20. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in, in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile himself to all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, making by peace through his blood shed on the cross. So essential to understand that everything, if we ever want to have this type of peace, if we ever want to have really, really an understanding of this type of unity, we have to be, as the church, built upon the rock. That means you as your own little rock, you think about it, not Arkansas, as your own little rock are on the bedrock of who he is. If you ever shift off of there, what will happen to your building? It will fall away to nothing, to nothing, to nothing. Number four, should practice consecration. You're like, well, that is a big word. Why do we have to go there today? You know, that just doesn't make sense. It's this understanding of consecrating yourself and setting yourself apart because God wants to do great things in your life. It's an understanding of who you are as the church, who you are as an individual that's going to impact this community. First Peter 2, 9 through 12, but you are a chosen people. You're like, yes, chosen for disaster. No, Chosen for pain? No, no. Chosen to be nothing, not to be loved, not to be anyone? No, 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 no. Not only are you chosen, but you're a royal priesthood. You are royalty in his mind. When he thinks of you, he thinks of you as the one sitting right next to him. Get that picture. When God thinks of you, when he says your name, he's like, oh, my baby, <laughs> I love her so much. She's royal to me. She's royalty to me. Just... Bring her in, adorn her with everything, anything and everything she wants. That's my, cho that's, that's, oh, she is royalty. She's chosen. She's a holy nation. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Because you are his kid, they will see him. Because you are built upon him, they will see him. Because you are founded upon him, they will see him. You're at work. You get this nasty email. Nasty, nasty email. Accusing you of stuff that you have never done and would never do. In that moment, you want to retaliate. You get a Facebook message, a tweet or something about you, or you get a conversation that's stirring. In that moment, you just want to defend yourself and fight. Because you know you're right. You know who you are. You, you, you just got to be found in him. Rest in your royalty. Chillax in your chosenness. Tell it off to God that you can tell. Find yourself in him so that even pagans, 
folks that don't know him can't say anything bad about you. But that that person, I don't know what's up with them, but I was downright mean. They just smiled. I don't know if there's a brain in there. I don't know if they're even awake. They just smiled at me and said, well, God loves you. I think they were being mean when they said that. I think that's what it was. I'm going to send them another email. You just smile again. God bless you. Have a great day. People will think you're nuts, but they'll come to find out who you're found in and what you're found upon in, what you're found upon, and that's him. And understanding that you are the church. Ephesians 5, 26 through 27, starting with verse 21, though. You see a context of 26 and 27, but looking from verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. You're thinking, uh-oh, we're getting here. Wives, submit to your husbands. Bear with me. To your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. His body of which he is the Savior. We can understand these types of relationships. And these are the, this is the reason why this type of conversation is ensuing in Scripture. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body. Some feed it too much. Exhibit A. Okay, we're getting better with that. Just as Christ does love the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife, uh, also love his wife, and he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. We can understand a relationship, especially if you're married. Or if you've ever been in a really close relationship where you're thinking marriage, or even if you love your television guys, okay, just go with me here, all right? For some of you, are like, nope, no, okay. Got to Xbox, or you know, get to something like that. The guys are like, I'm. This is this. This man's preaching. <laughs> but we can understand the self-sacrificial love. I can me to my wife. She can to me as her husband. We can understand what it means to be in love and do anything we can or will in whatever way to honor and to grow that kind of love. When we look at ourselves as the church, as the bride, we look at him. As the groom, we look at him as the one who loves us so much. It brings whole new meaning, doesn't it? What a relationship we are supposed to have with him. What a love we are supposed to have with him that we are to accurately reflect him at all times. It's Justin and Kara Myers. If you think about it, we became one. In him, we become one. An understanding that we are found in him and he is found in us. Do you get what I'm saying here? Essential for us. Essential to understand that we are set apart, consecrated for him. A, a life that is, that is epitomizing the church is one that is set apart and is consecrated for him. The last thing is this. The church should live with power. We go back to Matthew 16, 18 through 20, and we look, and he says this again, and I tell you that you are Peter, so you see the conversation. Are you with me? You see the conversation, like Derek and I are talking right now. Okay? Derek, stand up. No, I won't. Okay. Can't. But you, you're too tall. You should have got a shorter guy. Okay. Um, I'm talking to Derek. Derek, you are the rock, and upon... The rock, do you see what I'm saying here? You're great, but without me, you are the rock, and upon me, you're going to do amazing things. You're going to build a church. You see Jesus conversing with his fellows like this, right? You understand where I'm coming from now? You're a rock, but you're only a rock because you're on me. You can sit down. You rock. Thank you. Okay? But it's this understanding that there is a, a conversation and a transfer of understanding of who Peter, who Derek is today as the church. So you see that again, right? And we're going to get an understanding of what that means. And the gates of Hades 
will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Sickness, disease, brokenness, hatred, make the list. Whatever you bind, whatever you bind as the church, Peter, whatever you bind, Derek, Chris, go down the line. Whatever you bind here will be bound there. You are someone who has power. How often do we feel powerless? That we have absolutely no control over our lives and our situations. No, 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 no. If you are in him, that means you are connected to the power source. Aren't those chargers so neat that you can just set your phone on and they charge it? Have you ever seen those? Just by being in proximity and sitting right on top of that little pad, that device is charging and has power. Just in proximity, you being the rock placed upon the rock, you have power. The enemy would love to tell you that you are powerless. He would love to do that. That's what he does. He loves to tell you lies. That you have no authority, that you have you have nothing you can do with your life, that you are always going to be this way, that you are stuck, but no, you are the church. You are the rock as well. And you are on the rock that is him. You have power. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. That needed to sink in their lives for a little bit. He didn't want them running out telling everybody, well, he's the Christ, he's the one. He wanted them to understand who they are in the Christ. Because he knew it was coming to these guys. He knew that it wasn't going to be easy. He knew that it was going to be a struggle. But he wanted them to know that if they are in him, they're the church and they're going to be okay. The church. You are the church. But I'm not good enough. Welcome to the party. I'm not smart enough. Welcome to the party. I'm not handsome enough. There are parties down the hall. Just kidding. Just see if you're listening. I don't have enough money. Doesn't matter. I don't like people. You'll get through that. I don't think I can talk to anybody. You, you will. If you allow God to set in you the understanding of who you are as the church, you'll be dying to tell people. And the thing is, it's different. You need to tell people who the Messiah is. You need to tell them who Jesus is and who he is to you. You need to share your story. First Sunday ever, we shared the story. And we're going to share it again because we want folks to understand where we came from and how this all happened. But I think of all the stories that are connected to that story. Because we were willing to share what God put in our hearts. And our team has been willing to share what God has put in our hearts. And our folks who have been changed in this place have been willing to share what God has put upon their hearts. We are becoming the church that reaches this community. I think even now of how many people you are impacting that are not in this room this morning. Good job, you're being the church. Church doesn't always result as seats filled, but it results as hearts close to God. You are the church. You are the church. You have a 40-hour-a-week church called work. You are the church. You have an opportunity that I don't get to be with people that I don't know all the time. I wish, trust me, I would much rather go to work with you for the day sometimes than be in a building with nobody in it. Do you understand? I, I love the church. I love you. And God wants to build you and the church in you. Matt's going to come up and um, just play for a moment. But this is what I want us to do this morning. I want us to take a moment, much like Jesus did as he told the disciples not to tell anybody. These guys had to internalize this understanding that they were about to do something that's never been done before. Create a movement of the true church. They were about to create a movement of showing folks who Jesus really is and sharing about what he really did. Sharing their story. But the thing is, what we, we, we struggle with so often is the disqualification factor. You can make a list a mile long of why you can't. 
but it only takes one decision this morning saying yes to him that will enable you to do anything that he wants you to do. I believe that because that's what happened with me. By me just saying yes to serving him back in 1998 is when I rededicated my life. Some of you guys were like, um, I was in diapers or I wasn't born. But that forever changed my life. Was I perfect? <laughs> no. Not at all. Was I dismissed from Christian college for a while? Actually, yes. Was I disqualified in that right? Well, it depends on who you ask. Did I embrace God's grace? Yes, I did. Did I get back? I'm here. It's not easy being the church. But he's placed something in you. And this is what I want you to understand. He's placed something in you that can only grow in you. The seed that's in your heart is unique to you. To you, the soil. To you, the fertile ground. And what you have in you can only be shared by you. You are the only church that you can be. How often do we live with that understanding that it is up to me versus Pastor Justin or one of the team at the Foundry to lead people to Christ. Do you know what I'm saying by that? You're the church. It's not up to me. It's up to you to see those things happen. And actually, it's more effective when you do it. Why? Because you're already in relationship with them. You don't have to say, hey, meet my pastor. He's a really nice guy. Hey, do you think you can maybe go out to lunch with him, Pastor Justin, hang out with him, do this and that, build a relationship? You already got it. Share what God's done that is unique to you. That's unique to you. That's the goal, to be the church. What I'm going to do is just pray, and then I'm going to challenge you to, to stand as the church, as one. One body, many parts, though. One body, many parts. I'm going to challenge you to stand as a church. And then if you want prayer, I will be here. No problem whatsoever. But I want you to leave as the church with an understanding that if I don't, no one will. Don't what? Tell someone, share your faith, do whatever it takes. If you don't, no one will. If you don't, no one will. Went through a missions experience about a guy named Abraham fictional story found out later, thank God, because I just about died thinking about it. So sad. This guy had a reoccurring dream that Jesus showed up to him in his dream. This guy, Jesus. And he kept going around in his culture saying, do you know this guy named Jesus? Harry, do you know this guy named Jesus? Do you know who he is? Have, have you met him before? Do you know who he is? Have you seen him? Pat, do you know who he is? Do you know this guy? Nobody knew Jesus was. He died not knowing who Jesus was. And that just makes me think about my life. I really need to share who Jesus is. I need to share me. I'm a living example of His grace and mercy. I should not be where I'm at. I should not have what I have. But for grace. But for grace. So close your eyes with me for a moment. And the first thing you got to do, the first step that is the most essential step is this, having a relationship with Jesus. Understanding the necessity of your life being founded on Him. The number one step is a relationship. And if you say yes to a relationship, I promise you it will not be easy, but it will be worth it. The most rewarding thing you will ever do is be in a relationship with Jesus Christ. What does that mean? You ask for forgiveness. You repent, which means you turn from the current lifestyle, the current decisions and choices that you make, and you turn toward him and you ask him to lead you, to direct you, and be the Lord over your life. That's the first step. The most essential. And then you become the church as you live your life for him. For some, though, it may be like this. Well, I kind of grew up in church. You know, I... Uh, kind of played the game, but um, just been doing my own thing for a while. I, 
kind of need to re-up my faith. I need to rededicate myself. Maybe you find yourself there. But what I want you to do is if, if you need to give your heart to Christ for the very first time, what I want you to do is just look at me in the eyes. <laughs> just look at me in the eyes. And this is Nobody knows what's going on in your life right now, just me and you. Okay? And if you find that you need to rededicate yourself, that you need to re-up on your life, you need to just give God a second chance and allow Him to change things, you need to rededicate, you need to repent and turn just like before. Look at me in the eyes real quick. this thing. We're going to make this concrete and we're going to make it right because it's your decision. It was your decision to say yes and your decision whatever comes you'll stay in. You'll keep worshiping. You'll keep being the church. And then you'll stand together as we are the church and you'll exit this place as the church and if you want to follow up with prayer, conversation, if you need to talk about anything, we're here for you. We just want to bless you though and allow you to go and be the church and be the change that needs to happen in this community. So God, we thank you so much that your Holy Spirit loves us so much that he would convict us, correct us. Become what you want us to be. Believers, people that are connected, people that are in relationship with you. That's how much your Holy Spirit loves us, to show us the way to you. And we thank you for that. We thank you that we have given our hearts and that we have re-given our hearts to you to become the church. We know that it is only through you, Jesus, that we have been redeemed, that we have been bought with a price, and that we may live this life as the church. So right now we say yes, and we continue to say yes, regardless if we fail, regardless if we falter, regardless if we have fear, we will not stop serving you and giving you our best. We will be your church. And God, as a family, as the foundry, we stand as your church. This is your time. Everybody, please stand. Lord, we stand as your church, unified, unified, not divided, but as one. And God, I thank you that you have this body that has many parts with many different things that has happened, but ways that you have, have broken through and shown yourself faithful. So God, we thank you this morning that you have called us to be your church to make a difference and that we will have power to change this world as we pursue you. Lord, we absolutely love you and we adore you and we thank you. In Jesus' name.